Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in today. This is Victoria D. Walker, and I'm so very grateful you're here. Did you know that you can join the new public Choose to Think podcast community group on Facebook? Yeah, I hope you will. Please just visit the page, start with the Grateful Heart, and it has my name, and then click Join Group. I would love to have you there to continue our discussion on the various episode topics and just to get to know you. Also, I'd love to stay connected with you a bit more more personally, please opt in at my website, victoriadwalker.com. Okay, now let's get on with the show. Today we talk international adoption. Perhaps you represent one of the 60% of Americans who have some tie-in to adoption. Perhaps you were adopted, or maybe your family chose to adopt and or foster to adopt domestically or internationally. In light of November being proclaimed Adoption Awareness Month, our guest today is Christine Gibson. Her family adopted from Korea, which happens to be number five on the foreign country's adoption list. I had so much fun chatting with Christine, and I just know you will love her sweet spirit and wit. Not only is she a remarkably kind and down-to-earth individual, she has also penned two books. The first was Saints on Call, Everyday Devotions for Moms, and Stay Mr. and Mrs. After You're Married. And she co-authored that one with her husband, David. Now, make sure you stay tuned till the very end to listen to the unfolding of of a modern day miracle. And let me tell you that the Choose to Think on the Light Side themed merch for this episode is the is the tagline, One Happy Baby. All the links are going to be in the show notes. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's go. Welcome, Christine Gibson, to the Choose to Think podcast. Thank you, Victoria. Delighted to be here with you. I am so excited to have this opportunity to chat with you. And just so the listeners will know, I met Christine, gee was I don't even know what year that was that I, maybe 2008, I'm thinking, and we were colleagues at Midway College, and um, she is one of the most delightful people you could ever hope to meet in your life. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, let's just tell it like it is. We're just going to say it like it is. And, you know, I had the privilege of, of sharing off um, office area with her. She was right at her office was right across the hall from mine. And she always came with such a smile on her face and encouraging word and just kind hearted individual. And I mean, her whole family, and she has such a unique and interesting story to share with us today about adoption and being a mom and just that road that she and her husband, David, took as they, you know, from way back when, when they started their family to uh, pulling us all the way up to today. So I can't wait to hear this story and share this with, with listeners because it's so encouraging and exciting. So Christine, let's just start from the very beginning. You and David get married. And then at some point you're like, you know, we're going to start our family. And so tell us what all of that was like for you, if you don't mind. 
Well, first of all, what an intro. I mean, gosh, Victoria, you're so kind. Usually people have to be dead to have things like that said about them. So this is a real treat. Thank you. You're so sweet. Um, So yeah, we were married for quite a while before we had kids. But when we, one thing we agreed on was at some point we wanted to adopt children. Um, I just kind of assumed that would be after we had biological kids because My doctor was like, you want to have kids when you're young, you know, that's like the odds are just in your favor. So that's what I just kind of figured we'd do. Um, But then I just never got pregnant. And there wasn't really any reason why um, that anybody could tell. So we should have been fine, but we weren't. So we weren't making any babies. And I said, well, okay, then I guess we're just going to adopt first then and then see what happens. Um, I didn't really like feel like called to do any... um, high-tech ways of getting pregnant. I just felt like, okay, God, we'll just adopt first then. And um, so that was that was just a yes. So we went to talk, gosh. And anybody who's been down this road knows you talk to a lot of people. Um, we talked to foster care people. We talked to um, different social workers. We talked to people who had adopted, who are waiting to adopt. And um, then at that time, I felt very um, moved, as I know a lot of people did, about the the plight of little girls in China. And the story at the time was that the um, you know they had a one child policy, which seemed so so cruel and anti life. And I just felt so strongly for those little babies who um, you know we were told would not um, be allowed to stay there in China with their biological families. So there were all these baby girls to adopt from China. And that just really kind of tugged at my heart and David's. And so we signed up and we were all in. And um, everybody, we knew people who had adopted from China. And even we even went, now that I'm thinking about it, we even went to these, like, there's a I think it was called Families with Children from China or something, a group in Lexington. So while we were waiting, we had our paperwork in and we're just waiting, waiting. We like went to like an event with them. They had, everybody was so nice. They're like, where's your child? We don't have one. We're just waiting. (laughs) They were so sweet. It was like Chinese New Year or something. So they were very sweet about it. And so we're just, we were just sure, you know, I felt like, oh yeah, God just put this on our hearts and that's just how it's going to be. But then like nothing happened. We were waiting and waiting. And I was get, and I felt like I was getting older every minute, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm like, gosh, how long is this going to take? And then all the news was getting more and more grim. Like what's taking longer instead of a year, maybe it'll take two years. Oh, maybe it'll take three years. And nobody really had answers because, you know, you're dealing with a, a country that wasn't sharing much. So we were just, I was getting, I remember crying. I remember it being like Mother's Day and at church, you know, they always recognize the moms. And I remember just sitting there crying. And I remember a sweet lady, she like gave me, I don't know what they gave out. It wasn't anything big. It was like a rose or something. She gave me her rose, you know, like I really wanted the rose, but that was so sweet of her. But so anyways, it was a long time. And I remember that being really hard and thinking, what am I supposed to do? I was really sure this is what we were supposed to do. And here I sit, you know, like I said, getting older every second. So, and I know a lot of people have been there. So, um, yeah, so I was getting so frustrated and down. And then when you like really discern for a long time and prayerfully decide what to do and it doesn't work out, you know, um, I guess that can be in any number of parts of life. That's hard. So um, 
David is a math person, and so he's looking at how, kind of extrapolating out how long this could end up taking and how old we would be before this adoption was ever um, finalized. And we were just um, driving one night to this little event we would go to like once a week in the summer. It was called Theology on Tap. It was for young people. That was when we were young. And you'd go to like a neighborhood bar and there would be a speaker about something or other faith related. And so we saw some friends there who were, um, oh, wait, so we're driving there and David says, you know, this China thing isn't going to happen. We're not going to adopt from China. It's just not going to happen. We're just getting too old and this timeline, it's just not going to work. We need a new plan. And so I'm like, oh, my heavens. It was almost like blasphemy. Like, how could he say that? This was the plan. God, like, spoke it into my ear. I'm sure this is what we're supposed to do. Um, And I don't have another plan. You know, I can't start over. (laughs) I feel like maybe this line's going to speed up and I'm going to have a baby. Um, But like I said, he's very logical. And so I was pretty miffed. And then we go into this, this bar and our friends are there. And they had been dealing with infertility and thinking about adoption. And um, so we sat down and this girl says, we're going to adopt from Korea. And I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. But I don't think you can adopt from Korea anymore. All the we knew two little girls who'd been adopted from Korea and they were like in their 20s. I said, well, that's um, who who does that? And she said, yeah, I know not many people do. Everybody thinks you can adopt from China, but not Korea. But yeah, there's a there's this agency. It was about like half an hour away and she deals with Korea. And I was like, huh. And so, of course, my friend had done all this research and she's like, yeah, it only takes like nine months and the babies are in foster care. And yeah, if you feel like, you know, you're still called to adoption and looking for another idea, this is this is really an idea. So I was like, hmm. Well, by the next day, we were on the road to that adoption <laughs> coordinator. We thought, well, okay, all right, David already said we are not waiting in this line for the rest of our lives. And then there came this answer, you know. So um, we went down there and it was it was just she went through all the different countries that people adopted from. And she, when she told us about Korea, we were like, sign us up. That's it. We want to do that right now. And she said, okay, I'll send you some paperwork. We'll get you started. And uh, then I thought, oh, my gosh. Afterward, I thought, we didn't. We didn't pray about this. We didn't do anything. We didn't discern. We jumped in the car and we said yes. So I'm like, I don't even know if this is the right thing. And am I abandoning this little baby girl in China? So there's all those questions in your head. Am I talking too much, Victoria? No, I'm just just taking notes on my side. And one thing I want to, just for the reference here, what was the year when you started, when you and David decided, okay, we're going to adopt, you know, go through that process and you signed up for the Chinese adoption? Mm. Okay. I'm thinking that was maybe 2006. So 2006. And now with the Korean agency, we are what year? 2009. Okay. So you all had been in this three-year process and we- Maybe you know, two, you, maybe two, but it felt like 20. I don't know. Yes, <laughs> it was a that, while. That was going to be my point because yeah. it's it's easy for us to talk about right now exactly. and condense all of that. But the day-to-day 
Mm-hmm. grind, that yearning for a child, praying for a child, the frustrations. You're not the first person I've ever heard say something about Mother's Day at church or just the holiday itself and the and the sadness that can wash over a heart, a mother's heart, a, a woman's heart who longs to have a child. And so it's it's easy for us to like fast forward yeah. those two to three years and mm-hmm. To the point where now you've you've suddenly hope has entered the scene again in a new and fresh way, and I know what you mean about praying. Sometimes the Lord drops something in my path or some opportunity, and it's like it's such a good fit. The shoe fits, mm-hmm. yeah. and I put it on and I run with it because. Mm-hmm. And and then, you know, I may think, oh, Lord, I, I did that and I didn't even consult you on this. But, you know, when we walk and we're in tune with the Lord, we also trust him to say, Mm-mm, no, halt on that. So and we can just get excited about the decision. Some some decisions I think are just easier than others. And they they we we just we we know it not. It's not really I wouldn't even say it's impulsive. It is just a confirmation or something happens and our spirit is kindled and we, you know, kind of go for it. Doesn't mean we can't second guess it after the fact. But I mean, I I I want to make sure that I know there are listeners who have gone through the adoption process or who have women who maybe even now are longing for children. And the point is, is that it is hard. It's a Mm -hmm. difficult road to walk. Mm -hmm. And it sometimes when we're in that, that fog or that, that constant, you know, okay, Lord, it's just got to be your will, your timing, your way. That's easy to say, but hard to do sometimes. So, okay. So here we are, um, maybe two to three years later with the, you know, now new, a, a fresh idea, fresh hope. And so we're, we're pivoting now to Korea. So yeah, keep on going. Yeah. Victoria, you really, I appreciate you adding all that because it's so true. You know, I didn't really get into that, the anguish of it all. Like there were babies everywhere. And I think every woman dealing with this is like every corner you turn, there's a baby and they're all beautiful and somebody else has them. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I was part of a, a Church, or my friend created a group through the church um, for for women dealing with infertility. And I mean, I always felt like I wasn't as anguished as they were, although I certainly was. Um, you know, I did. It was hard. But some of them had, you know, they may have had husbands who weren't open to adoption or, you know, for whatever reason they weren't. And I didn't understand that, but it made everything so much harder for them. And that was, so that was kind of heartbreaking to say, I don't know if, you know, I don't know if they ever became moms. So anyways, um, that, yeah, it's just, it's just a really, really hard time. And as you said, you know, you, you, we all say, oh yeah, thy will be done. You know, it's part of a prayer. We all say it, but it, it's as everybody knows, sometimes it's hard to just surrender that. Right. Because it strikes at the very core of in this case of our womanhood mm-hmm. of you know who we are and that that longing that we have to to have that that family unit and i think there's a scripture i'll have to i can't think of it off the top of my head but god 
places the lonely in families or it's, it's something like that. And that's even for the listener who never did have a biological child or never did have, you know, the opportunity to adopt or the desire to adopt. God still has a way of taking all of us and putting us into a family. And I know um, I have family, friends who they quote adopt their nieces and nephews, and they're very involved in their lives. Mm-hmm. And and maybe they've settled that out with God in their own hearts. I'm not sure, but but I I know that feeling. You know, with with four children myself, that that was such having children is just such a blessing. And and the whole infertility thing, I think would I don't know what that's like personally, obviously, but I do wonder. Um, I, you know, that would also take my mind in a different direction. Like, like, why can't I conceive or what is wrong in this situation? Or, you know, I, I think that would be extremely difficult to, to, to walk through as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <laughs> now this is a little, it is, it is right. And, but I remember this is a little moment of levity for us. Victoria, I was at this group and this sweet woman, I mean, she was such a beautiful girl. And, you know, she said she had cried to her husband, you know, if you had married someone else, you could have been a dad by now. And Mm -hmm. I remember like being thinking, oh my goodness, like what a, and I guess I was so selfish. I said, I never thought that. Like, I always thought my husband was very lucky to have me, no matter if I could have children or not. So, I mean, I'm egotistical, but wow. I mean, it really, like, affected her identity as a wife as well. Like, I'm not I'm not able to do this for you. Um, wow. Yeah, I never thought about that. She had. Yeah. Bless her heart. Yeah, that would be all the things that come to our minds when we're we're struggling with that and grappling with that issue. You know, it's just the desire of our heart and and reckoning that with God's will and his ways. And sometimes there's a disconnect in that. And I learned in a totally different example that, you know, I had I had a a desire in my heart that was so godly, just like bearing children and, and, you know, having that family unit and so forth. And, um, it never came to pass. And that I had to relinquish that at some point because I couldn't understand why God wasn't just doing what I was asking him to do. And I mean, you know, it was something good. Yeah. It was something good and godly and, and proper and right, but it's just not that simple. So instead I, I had to learn and it took me a long time to say, okay, um, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm going to go with you on this God and trust you on this God, but it is such a, it's hard. It's just very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. It really okay, tests so, you. It does. Yes. So let's go to Korea now. Let's go so, to Korea. Yeah. <laughs> Phil is in now. Let's go. Oh, so it was like you said, you know, and the way you just put it, it was a fresh hope. And so I wish I had talked to you at that time. I wish I had known you then because I think emotionally, psychologically, it was totally understandable that somebody proposes something that is really the answer to all your problems and wishes and desires and prayers and everything. Um, who's not going to jump in? So we did. Yeah. We jumped in. Yeah. And we were so excited. And they're like, it is going to be nine months from now. Now, here's a funny thing. 
um, we have the letter that the social worker, the adoption coordinator sent us that was kind of recapped our meeting and told us what to do next. She sent it, got it a couple days later. And if we weren't there on the day, if we had not met with her on the day Drew was born, it was maybe a day after. And, you know, I didn't know it then, but he was either being born that day or the next day or the day before, somewhere right there. We were there on his, the day he was born. That's and, amazing. Isn't that wild? And she that said, is this wild. is about nine months. And so we did this mountain of paperwork and, you know, you've got to be checked out every which way, you know, they want to know about your marriage and about your, your weight and your job. And so, and you take pictures of yourself and send them and you have to try and, you know, we thought, okay, how do we impress, how do we impress these people who are going to match us with the baby? So I'm like, oh goodness, take good pictures of me and my good side. And how do I dress? <laughs> so everything. And I thought maybe they like if I, I'll play a musical instrument. I sent a picture of myself at a piano and, and holding a book. You know, I want to look smart. Yeah, Bless your heart. I mean, isn't it funny what we, we would do to be impressive. And I mean, you wanted to make sure everything was just polished and tied up nicely. And that's so sweet. Oh, honey, you'll do anything. If they said, you know, learn to do backflip, I'd be like, watch this backflip. I got it. (laughs) So anyway, you do all this and you send it off and, and then you just wait. And um, so I waited and I had a little group. It was so sweet. We met once a week, a little prayer group um, through church. And I remember telling them, you know, everybody prays for a healthy baby, but I've got this crazy prayer in my mind and I don't even know why or where it came from. And I'm so silly. I just keep praying for a happy baby. And I don't know where, I mean, did I ever know like an unhappy baby? I don't know. I don't know if like in my head, I, I, did I know like a, a a baby who was really fussy maybe? I don't know. But my friends were like, well, that's no big deal. Pray for a happy baby. That's what you want to pray for. And so I thought, well, okay. And then, and I would pray, you know, God, just give me a sign that we're doing the right thing. You know, I feel like I've abandoned this other idea that we discerned about and we really knew that was what you wanted us to do. And we just kind of jumped in headlong on this new idea. So just, I've kind of made plans and then I'm asking God to bless them afterward. But now kind of like after what you said, you know, of course, God understands that who wouldn't, you know, that's how he made us to want <laughs> to want to, to do what's, what seems like it's going to make all of our our desires come true in a good way. So anyway, right. I mean, it's, it just seems like a big, huge open door. It was. You know? so it was. Come on now, walk through it. Yeah. I, I, you know, I did, I'm doing something for you. And yeah. Did you feel like the whole happy versus or healthy versus happy baby? Mm-hmm. Did you feel, did you kind of, how did you feel with the whole happy tag there? In other words, did, did you feel like this is so weird, or I feel guilty. Mm-hmm. I should just want healthy, and why am I wanting happy? Totally, or? yeah. And so then I talked to my friends on our Tuesday night group, and they're like, "Well, I mean, that, there's nothing wrong with praying for a happy baby." And so then I talked to my sister, and she said, "Yeah, there's a, pray for what you want. Pray for everything, you know, whatever. God will sort it out." And I thought, well, okay, just wouldn't leave my mind. So I'm like, I'm just well, two different, you know, trusted people have told me, go ahead and pray for a happy baby. And of course I want the baby to be healthy and all that, but yeah. So I just kept on with my happy baby prayer and I wrote it in a journal and I was like, oh, isn't this funny? But I just can't stop thinking about having a happy baby. So, 
um, I got a call. I was at Midway College, Victoria, in a different office, in a basement office on February 2nd. And I thought, see, I am not great with details. And there are like 8,000 details in I's to dot and T's to cross, like in this process. And I saw on my phone, my office phone, I knew that number was a social worker. And I thought, great, I have messed something up. She's going to tell us, you know, go back to the back of the line. (laughs) Mm. Your paperwork is imperfect. So, okay, here I go. Hello. It it probably was that picture at the piano or something. Yeah, right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You don't look like a pianist. (laughs) You're a fraud. (laughs) So you really are such a bundle of nerves. So it was kind of evening and I picked up the phone and she said, I have your referral. And I mean, it was like, uh, like a bowling ball hit me. I just like sat down and she said, it's a boy and he's a cute little fella. And he was born July 30th. And oh my gosh, like I'm crying right now. Mm. There is nothing in the world like that moment. Aww. And David wasn't there. David and I worked together, but, and he had the office next door to mine, but he was gone. So I just like wandered out into the hall, like someone who'd just been like, you know, like shell-shocked. I, and I just saw the first person, Lois. Do you know Lois, Victoria? What's her last name? Oh, Lois Webb. She Gosh, I know that name. Oh, what, did, what did, was she teacher, professor? She was a secretary for the online division when they were in the basement. I just wandered out looking for someone. Her. <laughs> yeah, and I said, Lois, it's a, it's a boy. And she had adopted a son herself when she was, uh, yeah, so her first child was a boy she had adopted. And, oh, my gosh, I just remember that moment. And then, like, driving home, like, in a daze. And, yeah, so that was, like, a whole thing. And then we went and got pictures of him the next day. And, oh, oh, my goodness gracious. And then to know that he's, like, on the other side of the world and they don't let you go right away. For some reason, there's, like, another step. So he was a my baby was like five months old at that time, but then you have to wait. I don't know what we're waiting for, but there's a process. And so it was, that was February. And then it wasn't till May when you get the call, when I got the call that said, okay, you can come, you can come get him. Yeah. So you have these months of just staring at pictures. And before we go on, let's take a quick break from our sponsor. So yeah, he was just this little fat, oh, pumpkin of a little man in these pictures with his little six month legs, you know, and yeah. we just study him and look how big his head is. He's got a big brain in there and, you know, oh, he can sit up or whatever. So we just studied that. And then they sent more pictures in April and, oh gosh, look how big he's gotten. And then they tell you, you know, they give you information about um, his history and everything that ever happened to him. And he was with a foster mother. And so anyways, time goes while you're staring at pictures and getting a baby's room ready and buying everything. And oh gosh, we had so many baby showers. Oh, heavens. <laughs> we were unusual, I guess. And people felt bad for us. We were so old. Um, <laughs> I think we had four. Wait, 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 wait. How old were you? I felt like I was old. I really wasn't. I was. Yeah, no, it's all for like, how old were you though? 
Uh, if you I don't mind sharing. I was 35, right? Yeah, I was 35. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, we wanted more. So how old was I going to be? I was going to be 60. <laughs> right. Gotcha. So all the while I'm like, okay, God, yeah, this, this is, this is still our plan. And I just really need to know it's your plan too. And so I'm still praying for my happy baby. And so then we fly to Korea and oh gosh, we have zero, both of us are the youngest children in our family. We have no idea about anything about babies. So we were nervous wrecks. Oh, and they put you up in this little guest house. Um, just it's kind of fascinating just for adoptive parents um, coming to get their babies from all over the world. People come and we were going to meet him on. This is amazing. This is a funny rule, too. So you meet the baby. We met the baby on Friday and we were going to have to then spend the weekend there and then not actually have him as ours to have forever until Monday. So I don't under, and then once you get the baby, you have to leave the next day, or that was the rule then. So you take a baby anyway. So it was this, there was a process. And so very I orchestrated. It sounds oh, very gosh, orchestrated. Yes. I don't know why they didn't, because I thought it would be nice to hang out there for about a week, get him used to us and, you know, still hear the sounds and sure. smells and everything of, um, of his, of his home. Yeah, but they're like, nope, you're, yep. you got your, you, bye, get see out. you later. Yeah. <laughs> get on yep. the plane for 24 <laughs> hours. You're traveling for 24 hours. You wow. Know? So it is crazy. But anyway, so, you know, we are nervous as you can be. And I'm like, oh God, you know, I still, I'm still not really positive that this is even your plan, God. It was certainly our plan. And I'm just praying for this happy baby. If you could just give us some kind of sign, that would be so awesome, you know? <laughs> Mm -hmm. I don't know why, I, but I was really hung up on this. You know, there were 18 open doors and everything went well, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just a worrier or I really wanted to do it right. I guess that's it. You know, I, some things, whatever, but I really wanted this to be clearly God's plan. And so the next, the Friday, that Friday, it was the first Friday in May and the social worker met us. And this is kind of a funny thing, Victoria. I don't know if I ever told you. When we went to the, it was called Social Welfare Society. When we went there and met our social worker, she said, did you see, his name was Hyun. And we kept that as his middle name. Did How do you, you spell that? It's like the first half of Hyundai, H-Y-U-N. H-Y-U-N. Mm -hmm. Okay. You little oh. Hyun. And did you see Hyun's picture? And I thought, well, you know, there's a translation problem here because she sent me, you know, dozens of pictures. And she said, in the elevator. And then she took us back to the elevator. And there was this big poster. And she said, these are billboards around Korea. This is Hyun. This is your baby um, with this movie star. So he had been, he wow. had quite a while time before we got him. He was a little celebrity. Um, celebrities in Korea we're doing um, an ad campaign to promote adoption because Koreans traditionally are not um, an adopt. It's just not an adoption culture. And it's just, I think they're very into their family lineage and they can, most Koreans can tell you like their ancestry 20 generations back. They, wow. No exaggeration. They just, this is their, their bloodline is very important and um, it's not to us. Not to us specifically and us generally as Americans. We're just not into that. So anyways, um, 
trying to help these babies get homes in Korea was their goal, and they had this little ad campaign. So Drew, I, we have it framed in our hallway here, is in the arms of this um, major movie star in Korea um, trying to show the public how um, precious these little babies were who needed homes. So anyways, that that was yeah, kind that of funny. So that's so cool. Yeah. I, I love it. Now, I'm assuming you hadn't heard of that star no. before. Yeah, but no. he would be. Yeah, that's amazing. Have you kept up with him by chance or no? You know, no. But this year I had Drew stand because they they made a little booklet, you know, for people to to look at and learn about this. And he had written about the photo shoot. He said, oh, little Hyun, I worry about you because you're so small. And Drew was very premature. He was like four pounds when he was born. Mm. And he was just a little, he was a newborn in this picture. And I said, Drew, let's take a picture of you by this poster and send it to him and let him know you're fine. You know, you, you grew up big and strong. Um, but we can't figure out how to get it to him. <laughs> so that's a little project I need to work on because I think that would be really fun. Oh, you've got to do that. Totally. totally. Right. You've got to do that. That and is so awesome. He Drew has very classic Korean features. And, you know, when you have a little tiny baby in your hands, you don't know how he's going to grow up to be so big and just, yeah. He's, oh, I've watched him grow. I have watched him grow and he is, it's astounding to me. He, and he's even now he's just developing all the manly look as he's, as he's coming through this. So he is Aww. just, he's a handsome young, young man. He really is. Thank you. You know, every Korean lady I have ever known stops and like tells me like it's inside information. She's like, he is handsome. So I think that he has the Korean handsome seal of approval. <laughs> I think so, definitely. So I think that's good to know. So anyways, um, so we had that and then we we jump in the car and there's a driver who takes us through all these narrow streets and, you know, we were just like so excited, so excited. And we take our shoes off when we get to this little um, apartment and there he is. And it's clear that this foster mother is so in love with him. She is so devoted to him. And they have this very tidy little apartment and everything is baby, you know, so it's all about him. Mm. <laughs> and there he is at the, one of those machines, you know, that babies stand up and they can like lean on and press to make sounds and things. Yes. He was, I always called it like his DJ machine. And he was there. And, oh, he was so chubby and so half bald and just looking up, you know. And they had our pictures, David's picture, my picture, on this little, um, like, in this little cabinet where he could see us, which I thought was so sweet. So sweet mm. of them. And I was like, you know, you just it just takes your breath away seeing this little baby. And, you know, you're I'm a bundle of nerves. And I go over and I pick him up and, you know, you just kind of tentatively and then he seemed pretty happy so I lifted him way up you know and he liked that and then he I just was staring um right at my eye level were the words happy baby written in English on his little denim overalls in orange stitches it said happy baby and I remember like letting out a sound they almost have thought what is it? oh my gosh we got the crazy mom <laughs> Because <laughs> it wasn't like like a word that came out of me. It was just like, you know, like, I don't know, something from the depths of my soul. Because it was like, here's my answer right in my hands right here. And a prayer that had been insisting um, on being prayed for months, just so I would know this was this was my baby. 
And there he was, happy baby in English that he happened to be wearing that day that I met him. That is a miracle. It is. I think there's no other word for it, but a miracle. And I think of our Heavenly Father who... You know, he knew this all along and he knit drew together in his mother's womb and he knew that you and David would be there on that day to take this young child and to love him and grow him up according to God's plan. And it's just astounding that he would, our father in heaven was so tender and sweet and kind and loving to you at that moment, despite the years of anguish and turmoil and waiting and praying and doubting and wondering, and finally to have that, you know, those two words to serve as this Christine, I know you are there. I know your heart. I love you and I care for you. And this is the day to show you that. And it's just, when you told me that the first time, I, it's, it's an amazing story of God's love and grace and tenderness for you, for Drew, for David, for your family. And it's a wonderful testimony to the listener that God hears our cries. He hears our prayers. He does not leave or forsake us. And he has something in mind, a path for us that may not look like the one that we would have chosen or that we would even enjoy or like, because it may be filled with obstacles and roadblocks and a thousand different, uh, you know, ways we can meander around. But God doesn't forget about us. And I, I couldn't thank you enough for sharing this story. It's just, and I couldn't wait to get to this point. As a uh, matter of fact, I knew what was coming. Well, Victoria, your sort, your reflection on it just now is just so spot on. It's so exactly what I've always felt, but I don't think I've ever articulated as well as you just did. But I know that it is that what I think of whenever I'm doubtful or worried, I think, well, look, look how God took care of us and look how he comforted and assured. Right. So, yeah, yeah, I always, that's, that's my story for the rest of my life. You know, when I'm an old lady struggling, that's the, that's what I'll think of. That's the moment I go to. Yes, it has to be. That is such an altar of faith in your life, a mile marker along the way. And, you know, I did a study once, and this is just coming to me now, but on how many times God in his word says, remember, remember, remember. Mm -hmm. And it was a gazillion remembers on his faithfulness, basically, things he had done. And and he wants his children to remember those things because they do build our faith. And and when we get in that moment of the storm is raging and we feel a little bit doubtful or tentative and we can just say, wait a minute, I'm going to remember this because that, the, you know, that moment in time, it's it's not coincidental. How can that happen? No. Yeah, it is supernatural. It, it, it exceeds and transcends that which is, is even natural. I don't know how we could say that's coincidental by any stretch, no matter what I may believe. It's just a sweet message and a 
a, a love letter directly to you. You know what? You were also a happy baby, right? You were God, as God's child, his daughter. <laughs> yes. So happy. So it, and now I'm happy. Everybody. <laughs> everybody's happy. It's everybody's story. Let's say that it is. It is. A, it is everybody's story. You can. Yeah. You can rejoice and remember someone else's. Um, moments with God. And I think it can encourage you as well. How people got. Absolutely. Okay. So now tell us about your family. Now pull us all the way up to what's going on now in your life. How are things looking now? Oh, you're so sweet. Um, well, you know, I got two kids now. (laughs) That's right. That's what I wanted to talk about. So yeah, we were going to go back to Korea because, you know, it was such a wonderful process and, you know, it just, it made sense. And so they said, now that you, you've adopted ones, you can request a gender. They may not honor that request, but you could say, and we thought, well, we'll just go try and get a little Korean girl. And so I had a little pink file folder ready to go. And we, um, we just, I think we had a couple more pieces of paper to put in that file and send off. And I just was not feeling good. And of course I'm pregnant and Drew was two at that time. And you know what I said? And any mom who, I I think, I think most moms, when, once you have one child and then you find out you're going to have another, you think, well, how could I possibly do this to that child? Did you think that Victoria? Like um, he's the the very center of everything. How could how could this I, how could this happen? Well, I'll tell you about my experience with my second board. Believe it or not, I was still nursing Elaine, and I went to the doctor. Thank you for letting me share this because yeah, I, I want to hear it. This story, and and I it was at a time Elaine was born in 1990, but this was at a time when do you remember when chronic fatigue syndrome yes. came out? Yes. Okay. Okay, so Elaine Elaine was six months old. She was, I was nursing her. I was losing weight like crazy, more than you're supposed to. Of course, I was so tired. And, but everyone kept saying, you know, honey, this is your first baby. This is your first baby. No worries. It's your first baby. And um, everybody's tired and, you know, Mm -hmm. you're not sleeping night and, and all of that. And I'm like, you know, I need medical counsel on this. I am just, this is something's not right. And yeah. So I go and I'm sorry, she was, let me see, let me get this. She was nine months old. Oh. She was nine months old. But when I went, the doctor said, you are pregnant and you are through your first trimester. Oh, oh, oh mercy. Yeah. So for three months I had been, you know, I'd been trying to nurse, nurse. a baby, grow a baby and yeah. then so oh my I did gosh, not you have, I did not have chronic fatigue syndrome. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I had a baby is what I had. Oh, you were chronically and, fatigued, but it was no syndrome. Yes. And so I don't think I even had time to think about that, but I, I do know that feeling because especially what happened to me when, when William came into the world, suddenly Elaine, who was my tiny little baby all that time, and she was just a toddler. She was only 15 months old when Will was born. And she seemed like a giant suddenly. And do you remember the size, how the size, your eyes shifted on, you've got this little baby, little teeny fingers, and then your toddler's hand or your two-year-old's hand next to that. And you're like, man, that, that kid is huge. That's a big kid, yeah. Yeah, compared. And, and so I do remember some sadness because, you know, the, 
Elaine lost her babyhood or her, that little spot, you know, that she had. And, and then, you know, but life goes on and, you know, you're changing diapers and trying to get dinner on the table. So you you kind of forget about that, but I do know what you're talking about. Yeah. So yeah, there was, that was, and there she came on the scene and, you know, my mom always said he was the best thing for her and she's the best thing for him and it all worked out as it always does. So anyways, that, so, and then years later, you know, the, uh, we stayed in the Chinese adoption line for years and then, um, they, they call, we had a conversation and I said, well, we've had two children now. And they said, yeah, we, this, you know, you would still be waiting. So I said, I, I think, I think we're, I think we're good. So they said, we, we understand. And that was just the the plan all along. And I, all I have to do is think about my little happy baby. And I know it was all God's plan and I don't have to wonder. <laughs> Amen. I have one more question that just occurred to me before we close. How have you handled the, the, well, the issue, I guess we could say of, of Drew being Korean and your family American? Have you ever experienced any sort of, is, has there been any kind of racial tension there or how have you approached that even with, with both your children or, and this is a huge question we could probably spend, and you know, like two hours on it, but kind of in a nutshell, how have you, have you reasoned through all of that? You know, I don't know, except that it was another kind of a God thing that people like various people through time through those first few years would say things like make sure he's around other Asians and um I remember like a chiropractor telling me that he was my chiropractor was adopted from Korea and he's like make sure he goes what school is he going to oh good there's a lot of Asians there so that was something that was in our mind so we actually like did research on that like okay is, is this like something important people were really people were telling us this clearly and um, we kind of listened. And so then we researched and said, okay, well, what elementary school has the most Asian kids? So you feel good about how you look and you fit in and you don't feel unusual. Cause you know, you might anyways in our family or, you know, people who you might feel like you stand out. So anyways, we did that. We, we got that down and then um, he's brought it up before. And, you know, we've talked, but we talk about a lot about, um, he knows the story, you know, he knows the happy baby story. He knows, um, that, you know, sometimes people have babies, they aren't ready to, to take care of or can't for whatever reason. And adoption has happened for thousands of years, you know, little baby Moses. So, um, adoption is a great way for people to create a family. And I remember we were talking about self-esteem this was some months ago. And I feel like something must have worked out all right because I said, well, what are you proud of? And, you know, he's proud of trophies and things. And then he said, I'm proud of being Korean. And I thought, okay, something worked out right then. Um, Mm. That, yeah, I guess we've always tried to celebrate that and he feels special because of it. That's wonderful. Yeah. That is really wonderful. And, you know, truly, we're all, quote, adopted in yes. and grafted in to God's family as well. There's an adoption process. There, there is. Yeah, that always gives me some, um, you know, I'm not Jewish, obviously, mm-hmm. but we're that 
Judeo-Christian whole big ball of wax there where we are grafted in and adopted in as children of God. And that's a, that's a amazing yeah. story in and of itself. Well, Christine, I want to highlight very quickly your two books. Christine is a published author. You just need to know that so also. And she has two books. Um, her first one out in 2011 is called Saints on Call, Everyday Devotions. Um, is that the total title of it? Everyday Devotions for Moms. For Moms. For Moms. And then maybe the next year or so, she and her husband, David, together wrote, Stay Mr. and Mrs. After Your Mom and Dad. Mm-hmm. And now that's not a devotional, though, correct? It's not. It's a it's a Christian-based little how-to on keeping your marriage together because the research just showed that it's not easy caring for little ones. So it kind of takes its toll on relationships. So for whatever that's that's worth, it's just some little pointers there on keeping keeping your marriage together while you're losing your mind <laughs> raising kids. <laughs> nice way to put it. Yeah, and I will put the links to to the, both those books on on the in the show notes here. So Christine, you are just amazing and um, just so real and. You know, my mom is a faithful listener to the podcast. Oh, hi, right? mom. And she's always, she gives me such good, you know, feedback. And I already know that she will be calling me saying, oh, I love Christine. She's oh, just gosh. so awesome and real. And, um, you know, uh, I, I can just, I can feel it already. So it's going to be coming. But <laughs> we, we appreciate this. And I hope that women and men listeners are encouraged by your story that is so filled just full of faith and a real life example of how God still works in our lives Mm -hmm. in the lives of 21st century Christians he does manifest himself and show himself to us in miraculous ways so thank you so much for appearing on the podcast I am so grateful to share that story with everybody who will listen and Victoria your mom must be one heck of a lady because you raised a heck of an awesome person here Uh, thank you for all the kind words Oh, you're and God bless you in your work. You're doing great things here. This is beautiful. Thank you. It's a lot of fun. It is just, I'm having a blast. Truly. <laughs> I, I'm just like, could it get more fun than this? I mean, I get to talk with such incredible people and, and find out their stories because stories are so encouraging and inspiring. And I think that we really can use a lot of encouragement and mm-hmm. inspiration these days. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. So what you're putting into the world today by your story is is light and laughter and hope and faith and so many good things. And I get to I'm privileged to be able to be a little component in all of that. So, well, you're so anyway, all right. We could just we could just spend the next hour, maybe, I don't know, complimenting Let's each do other. It. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you, Victoria. You bet. Well, Brain Changer, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And before we pray, be sure to subscribe to this show wherever you listen. If you could rate and write a review on Apple Podcasts, that would be incredibly awesome. And if you learned something today or were inspired or encouraged by the message, would you please share this link with a friend? All right, let's pray.
Father in heaven, thank you so much for the reminder today from James that pure and undefiled religion in your sight is to take care of orphans and widows in their distress and to keep ourselves unstained by the world. May it be so in Jesus' name. Amen. And until next time, Dios primero y que Dios te bendiga. Chao.